Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. 50 cent piece that had Independence Hall imprinted on the backside of the 50 cent piece. And so uh, Todd and his son started to venture out on Saturday mornings in whatever direction that they would go. And they would go to banks all throughout the area and purchase rolls of 50-cent pieces. And as this became a a routine, a a Saturday routine, Todd actually fashioned a spinner that had a map with their, their home and their city at the center of the map. And he would spin the spinner and wherever the, the spinner landed, that was the direction that they would head on Saturday morning. And those would be the banks that they would hit, almost like robbers, going bank to bank. And so when Todd and his son would jump back into the, the truck, his son would start unrolling these rolls of 50-cent pieces and would look specifically for these 50 cent pieces that had Independence Hall on it because he would actually call them the castle coins because he thought Independence Hall looked like a castle. And so he would put them in separate piles. Then when they would get home after their adventure, they would go down in the basement and all of those castle coins, they'd put a little drop of adhesive on the castle coin and start putting them on the basement wall. They've been doing this since he was five. And over the course of the years, they continued this process. And as you can see, the wall just continued to grow with 50 cent pieces. And I was thoroughly amazed by this story. And as Todd was flipping through the pictures and even showing me videos of his son unrolling those rolls of coins, you could hear his joy and his passion, his love for his son. And I said, Todd, man, your son, for his entire life is going to remember these moments long after you're gone, and he's going to share these stories with his kids and with his grandkids and pretty much with whomever he would listen, who would listen to his story. And then I said, I asked Todd, I'm kind of curious, how much do you think's on the wall? He was like, oh, that's probably about 10 grand. I said, what? Seriously? He's like, yeah, probably about 10 grand of 50 cent pieces on the wall for Todd it wasn't about the cost 
It was about the connection. It wasn't about the money. It was the memories that he was making with his son. And I asked Todd, I said, Todd, can I share your story? And he said, absolutely. And I said, do you mind sending me some pictures, some, some of the very pictures that, that you see here this morning? And then he shot me a, a text message, and it was a, a file. And it was one of those files that runs through a bunch of pictures. For a minute and 40 seconds, they were all pictures of his son. And sporadically, you would see he and his son. And I thought, man, what a spitting image of his son. He was very, he loves his boy. There's a passion for his boy. And I got to thinking, it's much like Jeremiah, the prophet. Now, like you and me, I think sometimes we, we feel like sometimes God has duped us, wondering what he's doing. The prophet thought that. And in the moment of his feeling like he's been deceived by God, he then comes to a conclusion. And he says, but if I say I will not mention him, that I will not mention God or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. And he said, I am weary of holding it in. Meaning I'm tired of holding it in. I gotta speak it. Indeed, I cannot hold it in any longer. Todd's passion for his son is very similar to that passion that Jeremiah has for God. Folks, I ask you, What's burning inside of you? What fuels you? Gets you up in the morning? Thrusts you out of bed? Energizes you past the point of exhaustion? What runs through your mind? Where you're constantly calculating, thinking through opportunities and possibilities, processing the future, figuring out and what barriers might you might have to navigate, and then imagining the outcome. What burns inside of you? What's your passion? See, today, we understand passion to be this, almost this intense internal combustion and compulsion that drives us through our personal ceilings, that moves us and compels us. But for centuries, for years, hundreds and hundreds of years, the world, the world understood or tried to define passion and understand it through the lens of Jesus' last hours. In fact, for those of you who are, are Bible nerds and you like Bible nerd stuff, the etymology of, of our English word passion comes from the Greek word pasco, which means suffer, to suffer. The secular world trying to define this thing that is internal, and they can only define it through the lens of those hours leading up to Jesus' suffering. Why? 
Why connect passion to suffering? Why are they so intricately intertwined and connected, even to our day and age? I've often quoted here on Sunday morning Andy Stanley where he said, if you want to know what Jesus meant by what Jesus said, watch what Jesus did. And I recently heard Erwin McManus say something that kind of is almost a continuation of that statement. If you want to know what Jesus was passionate about, then look and understand his last hours. What we literally call Christ's passion. In fact, Erwin went a step further and said, if you, if you really want to understand anyone's passion, then look to find what they are willing to sacrifice for. What they are willing to die for. What burns inside of you? What's in you that you just can't hold it in? I'm not talking about your sneezes. I'm talking something in your soul. Something that burns and wakes you and fuels you and drives you and energizes you. What's your passion? It's evident from the last hours of Christ. His passion. It's evident from his passion that Jesus, Jesus' passion is humanity. Humanity. People. You. Me. Your classmate. Your coworker. Your teacher. Your boss spouse, your kids, your baby, the people that you really, really love and the people you really love to hate, right? Jesus' passion is humanity. And in this series, Passion, you're going to understand that Jesus' passion for humanity is to redeem humanity. Redeem us. And his passion is to deliver us forgiveness and freedom and to bring hope, to restore hope and faith and love. And his passion is also that there might be something ignited within you and me, within our heart, within the human heart. So I dare you to go on this journey to find what burns inside of Jesus and hopefully you find something that burns inside of you and hopefully those two things can combine and connect to be combustible and wild. Matthew chapter 26 I asked you to turn there a little earlier. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. 
to give you a little context, this is, this is following the last, what we call the Last Supper, where Jesus was with his 12 and broke the bread and applied that to his body and poured the wine and applied that to his blood. And immediately following, Judas skirted out the, the door and the wheels of betrayal began. And then after their celebration and the teachable moment, Jesus and his 11 now, those 11 disciples whom he built into for about three years, they took a trek to the Mount of Olives, to a place that Jesus had gone as usual, alone as well as with his disciples, to a specific place on the Mount of Olives called the Garden of Gethsemane. And here we pick that conversation up, that moment up. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, along with him, and he, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to Peter, James, and John, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Maybe I need to do that during my sermons. I don't know. He said, Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that the word of God unpack our heart. But also that the word of God reveal your heart. That we may see it clearly. And that there be this moment of transference from you to us. That something ignites within us. Holy Spirit, speak. It's in your name that we ask, Jesus. Amen. If you want to know what someone is passionate about, look and see what they are willing to sacrifice for, what they're willing to die for. Sacrifice always has a cost. Passion, excuse me, always has a cost. There's always a cost with passion. This is a moment that
played out many, many times over in Jesus' ministry where he was with his disciples or alone and he's, he's having a conversation with the Father. But it seems that the conversation is very pivotal here. It's emotional. It's visceral. He leaves eight, takes three, and then he kind of opens his chest cavity to these three, Peter, James, and John. And as you can see on the screen, it says, he began to be sorrowful, literally deeply distressed and troubled, deeply grieved within him. And he said to his disciples, he said to those three, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now we often process this moment as Jesus wrestling with the Father's will. I don't disagree with that. There's a literal wrestling that Jesus has with the Lord. And as Matthew writes it out, he first says, If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. But there's a progression in his prayer, in the wrestling understanding what's about to happen, what's about to go down physically, emotionally, mentally, that he's about to endure and put upon his own shoulders. But through his time of prayer and this conversation with the Lord, he reasons and it shifts a little bit. The nuance is, is small, but it's noticeable. And we've talked about this in the past, but it goes from if it is possible may this cup be taken from me, to, Father, if it is not possible for the cup, this cup to be taken from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. He has a shift in his spirit. He has a shift in his, his heart. But all the while, the foundation is the Father's will. And I think how we process this is, is quite true. Jesus understands the Father's will and what must happen. But it's going to take a toll on him physically, ending in his death. And a horrific one, and a horrendous one at that. Brutal. To the point where he's on the cross unrecognizable. But I also think there's something else going on here. Something a little bit deeper as well. And equally as important for you and I to understand. See, passion is that internal drive, right? This thing that grips you, that fires you, that even in the face of whatever you have to face, you push through. But out of that word passion, we also get the word compassion and the highest level of empathy it's where one understands or at least tries to put themselves in the position of the other and there's this high level of understanding that can only come when you're empathetic and you're compassionate see when Jesus came to earth 
The question was why? And in December, we, we had this conversation. Why would Christ come to humanity in human likeness? And in the end, it wasn't just so that we can know the Father, but know that the Father understands us, that Jesus understands where we are. And when Jesus expresses, my soul is overwhelmed to sorrow, with sorrow to the point of death, I'm deeply grieved within me. It's visceral. It's internal. It's emotional. It's deep. It's to the core of his being. In fact, Luke, Luke gives us a, a glimpse into some time in between the first time that Jesus prays and the last time Jesus prays. Luke chapter 22. It says an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus and strengthened him. And being in anguish, internal agony, he prayed more earnestly. So it was sometime between the first time and the third time. And the three times all his disciples were sleeping. And then Luke gives us something so pivotal to our understanding. It said that Jesus' sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I really think that Jesus was not only processing, praying through and wrestling what he had to deal with physically, to surrender his fleshly will, that it may match the Father's will. But I also think that Jesus was feeling the weight of humanity. That his burden for humanity was coming out in this moment. Because he identifies with us. He understands us and that compassion is this tenderness of understanding the other's suffering and misfortune and misalignment he got how far we've gone he understood it and he was weighed down by it. And it came out in his prayer. Jesus' passion for humanity comes out even in the moment of prayer where he's pressing in, dealing with his fleshly will and the Father's will. It's very clear from those last hours Jesus is a passion for all the world. Coming out like drops of blood. Literally sweating them through his pores. He has a passion to redeem 
was about 16 years ago. Um, two people, Chelsea and Andy, finding their, their way in the world, found each other. They both loved Jesus. They both enjoyed sports. And they found a means where both of those can be brought together at Athletes in Action. Fortunately, I had the privilege to have a front row seat to watch this friendship grow. In fact, Chelsea was in the passenger seat and I was in the driver's seat and there were a bunch of teenagers hooping and hollering in the back seat as we were driving down through Alabama to Pascagoula, Mississippi. And she received a phone call from Andy. It was a brave phone call, but it was a simple phone call. He just wanted to wish her well on this mission trip. About a month later, it was in April, that they had their first date. Their first date. And then their second date. And then their third date. And by September, how you doing? It was official. They were dating. And after a Labor Day weekend party, uh, Andy um, took back the casserole dish that they, they had made a side dish in uh, for the party. And he took it home, and on Tuesday, returning to the office, he was going to bring it back to Chelsea. And uh, upon getting to the office, he dropped the casserole dish, shattering it into pieces. See, Andy has a mild case of cerebral palsy which manifests itself in his speech and trembling hands his tremors in his hands and so he spent the first 30 minutes of his work day picking up the pieces sweeping and vacuuming and all of those pieces went into the trash and he apologetically told Chelsea and said I'd be glad to replace it and he offered to go replace it, and she wouldn't have any of it. But at lunch, he, he went to Walmart and uh, picked up a new casserole dish. But see, something was happening in Andy that was visceral. It was emotional. He was utterly embarrassed. Um, he felt helpless and hopeless in fact when he wrote his story he said on the way back from Walmart and picking up the casserole dish he pulled off to the side of the road and just wept he was asking God why me why am I afflicted like this he was embarrassed he was empty Though a follower of Jesus, he was empty. And so he, a day later, Chelsea found the broken pieces of the casserole dish in the trash can. Andy had no idea why she picked them up out of the trash can, but she took them home. And it was a month later that Chelsea brought a wrapped gift to Andy. And it's those same trembling hands as he opened the gift with that paper, unwrapping it, revealing a cross that Chelsea had 
made by putting all those broken pieces together and painting them. This beautiful mosaic. And Andy shared that he just stared at the cross. Overwhelmed. And he saw this as a symbol of Chelsea's love for him. Her reception of him, of all of who he is, including cerebral palsy. But then he began to process the cross itself and the meaning of that cross and the love of God that comes through the cross. That that cross signifies redemption. What once was shattered pieces in ruin is now a beautiful masterpiece repurposed and symbolic. Andy himself finally understood that not only was Jesus' passion for humanity, but Jesus' Christ's passion was for him personally. Christ's passion for humanity is also for you personally. Who you are and where you are. Whether you see broken, shattered pieces on the floor, God actually sees a masterpiece awaiting the work of his hands. What you view to be a ruined self fit only for the garbage. God actually views as restorable, redeemable. What you view as empty. He believes can be full once again. Peter said, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your hope and faith are in God. I want to remind you that Jesus' passion for humanity is for you personally. And we see that. We see that in Him in the garden and on the cross. And He invites you to bring all your shattered pieces put him in his hands maybe for the first time 
or the hundredth time. It matters not. He can do a work that is more beautiful than you ever, ever thought possible. Heavenly Father, we pause before our Creator, the masterful artist, our Lord and our God. We come to you broken. We come to you in pieces. We come to you shattered. We come to you emptied. We come to you distraught and in despair. We come to you with our past and with our present. It mattered not for you the cost. What mattered for you was the connection. And Lord, we see your passion for us in your last hours, in your suffering. And Lord, if there is anyone here, anyone listening, Lord, you're calling them. You're calling them into you as they are, where they are, to come forward, to come forth, and put themselves into the hand of the masterful creator. To become a beautiful masterpiece. Set forth to do good works in the world. Lord, may your spirit move mightily in this moment. So I ask you if you're here, if you're listening, and you deeply, deeply desire to be connected to your Creator, to your Father, and you just believe yourself to be in pieces, unrecognizable from the individual you once were. you're here and you want to be whole again if you want to be made new as a new creation just to ask you to boldly approach the Father in a simple act of prayer it's a conversation and invite him in invite him into your life and put your life into his hands that he may do a work that you cannot I challenge you, I ask you I beg you I ask that you just you simply repeat along with me you pray along with me there's nothing magical about what I'm about to say there's no magic formula or magic sentence, but it's just sincerity of heart. Father, I, I ask that you forgive me. I'm broken, and I need you to fix me. 
Jesus, I give you my life and all the pieces therein. And I'm, I, I'm now giving my life to you because I want to receive your life. I want to be made new by you. Jesus, I give you my life. It is by your cross that I am redeemed. And by the empty tomb that I have victory and power. Jesus, I give you my life in this moment. If you asked him, if you if you prayed. If you had that conversation with sincerity of heart, I just want you to know that this is a glorious day, that this is your moment if you have entered in the kingdom of God and your forever has been changed. The trajectory of your eternity has shifted and you now are in the presence of God and you have Him within you. And this is just the beginning of the adventure. you got a lot of Saturdays of coin adventure to build that castle wall. You have a lot of moments with your Creator that you will have with your Heavenly Father that begins now. And you have access to Him always. With everybody's head still bowed and your eyes closed, if that was you today and you, you prayed that, well, I'm asking that you raise your head so I can see your eyes. We can make eye contact. Heavenly Father, I thank you. My prayer is going to be simple. That the passion that you have, Jesus, be transferred to us. To each one of us, part of this tribe of misfits we call Wapak Naz. To those listening online and those gathered in person. May your passion be transferred to us. And may we be warriors of light in our community. Marked by love. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Will you please stand? Man. God is good. Well, one more time. God is good. And all the time. That's right, man. Be loved people, loving people to Jesus this week. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. We'll see you back here. We love you. Have a great, great Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.